0: Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill and I'm talking with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Wow, Steve, we had a heck of a Republican convention. You were there. Tell us about it.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's lighting up the skies. It's such a contrast with the Democrat convention. The Democrats were preaching doom and gloom. And, of course, they feel like their only opportunity is to convince people that Donald Trump has ruined the economy, that he's a bad guy. And so everything they say had to be pushing your enthusiasm down because you can't criticize somebody and then turn around and make them feel good on the next day. And so theirs was doom and gloom ours was energetic it was filled with optimism the stock market is moving its way up it's going to probably set a record here in the next couple of days we're celebrating america and americans it's just everyday americans so the contrast between the parties is always very stark but the contrast between the way that the parties are presenting themselves is vivid and you can't get around it Melania Trump just set the world on fire. I was listening to C-SPAN and the calls afterward coming in, Democrats, Republicans and independents alike saying that she was stunning, that she was classy, that she was elegant and that she cared, that she identified, they appreciated that she talked about the COVID from a mother's point of view. And so I just think that that was stunning. One of my favorites was the lobster fisherman saying, hey, we couldn't sell our lobsters to Europe because they put tariffs on there and Trump reversed the tariffs. It's that kind of common everyday thing where people can identify with a specific job and a specific worker that is being penalized. The dairy farmer lady that followed him was great. We had two New Mexicans. We had the policeman that adopted that baby from the mom who was struggling with addiction. She was homeless, and she just was in tears over the fate of her baby. He promised to adopt the baby, and he has. He's become a national sensation. He was on there. He's from Albuquerque. Then the vice president of the Navajo Nation, Myron Leiser, again, a strong endorsement for the president. Very seldom do you see Native Americans come out and endorse Republicans. He was very specific. So we saw a lot of great things there. The first night you had Herschel Walker, you had Tim Scott. You just are seeing voices have never been present in the Republican Party. And I think that's our great credit because we've broadened our appeal to every voter in the country. That's something that Republicans have not typically done in the past. And I credit that to our chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel. She's going to be with us in segment two. So I encourage you to stay on and listen there. But just overall, A dramatic, dramatic evening as we watch the Republicans give their speeches.
0: I have an observation between the two conventions. Joe Biden has been in politics, as we know, for what fifty some odd years, vice president for eight years. When he talks about all the things he's gonna do as president, you have to ask yourself, well, what were you waiting for? If you're gonna do all these wonderful things, why didn't you already do them?
1: That's a a great argument, Derek, and, and it's one that I think will be asked as we go down the stretch. Why didn't you do them, Joe? Also, when the president did his major reform for prison reform, it was Joe Biden who put the law into place that the president is having to reverse Joe Biden at one point was talking about the number of blacks that they could put into prison with this bill. So there's a different viewpoint coming out of this convention on exactly who is standing for all Americans and who is pandering to all Americans.
0: What were your thoughts of the final night of the Republican convention?
1: Well, it was absolutely stunning, Derek. President Trump, of course, was the highlight of the night. He declared that we had launched the largest national mobilization since World War II to fight the coronavirus. Virus, and that's exactly right. But he also said that we spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. That was a line that was very memorable. And then he laid out his agenda for the second term: expanding charter schools, providing school choice to every family in America, cutting taxes creating jobs, protecting Medicare, Social Security, and other programs, ensuring that there are strong borders, and ensuring there's equal justice for all citizens, every race, religion, color, creed. J. Ron Smith shared that Donald Trump knows the work of revitalizing communities. Not only does he care, he acts. And he said, name an issue important to the black community And it's been a priority for him, prison reform, rebuilding broken families, bringing jobs back to America, jobs in Cleveland, jobs in Detroit, jobs in Milwaukee, jobs for the future and jobs right here, right now. Alice Johnson was the one that the president had given clemency to, she said, six months after President Trump granted me a second chance, he signed the First Step Act into law. Again, these are black voices speaking up about what the president has done. I think everyone will remember the Muirs. Their daughter was the young lady who had gone over with nonprofit into ISIS territory. They captured her kept her for 18 months, raping her repeatedly, eventually murdered her by cutting off her head. And they said, what a difference a president makes. The Obama administration said it was doing everything it could. The Trump administration is actually doing everything it can. So those were the stories that I think captivated the nation and are going to captivate us because it's obvious that People who formerly wouldn't back the president now are openly backing him. The black voters are just going to go in larger numbers than ever expected for the president. Hispanic voters, the voters of faith, the pro-life voters. I'm telling you that the president, by his actions and by his leadership, is drawing people from all over the political spectrum to back him as he runs for another four years.
0: The narrative from the left now seems to be that the president has not done enough to stop the coronavirus. Now we get some new information from the CDC. Tell us about that.
1: The president has had great leadership in this, but I tell you, the CDC quietly announced that there are fewer than 10,000 actual deaths from the COVID-19 here in, in America, that the other 180,000 or however how many there are, had underlying conditions that were more responsible that the outright absolute deaths about 10% of what they had actually reported to the nation. That tells us a lot, but the fact they kind of hit it over the weekend was amazing.
0: Something amazing also that the president has done that you see very few presidents able to do is get the Middle East to work together. I see where President Trump brokered a deal with the United Arab Emirates and Israel, and they actually had a plane leave from Israel and land in the UAE last week.
1: I tell you, I have flown in that region in my own private airplane. It is very, very difficult to go from Israel to an Arab country or vice versa. And so the fact that they had that air travel back and forth is just an indication that this president, when he says he's going to start solving problems worldwide, he absolutely means it. And this deal with UAE and Israel is earth-shaking, and yet the national media refuses to cover any of it. They just hate to give the president credit for anything, but the president is not only keeping his word throughout America,
0: he's keeping his word throughout the world. Thank you, Steve. I wanted to let our listeners know that we can now be heard in the Farmington area on News Talk 1390 and 92.1 FM KENN at 630 on Sunday mornings. Steve Pierce and I will be right back with our special guest on Inside New Mexico.
2: On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19.
0: Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. It is time to talk to our special guest.
1: Well, Derek, as I mentioned in the first segment, we're joined with a very special guest, a friend of mine, the chairman of the Republican National Committee, Ronald McDaniel. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your background, where you're from, what got you into politics?
2: Thanks, Steve, for having me. It's great to be with you. You know, I grew up in a really political family in Michigan. My grandfather was governor of Michigan. So as a little girl, my mom would put us all in the car and drive us to campaign headquarters for different candidates and we'd work our tails off, stuffing envelopes, licking envelopes, all those things. I realized early that they usually had donuts at campaign headquarters, so I, I kinda liked it. And then my mom ended up running for Senate. My dad ran for attorney general. I have an uncle you all may have heard of, his name is Mitt Romney. They all ran for office and they lost and I thought, gosh I got to figure out how we win these things. So I ran for state party chair of Michigan in 2016, having been a stay-at-home mom for quite some time and getting involved in grassroots politics and ran for state party chair and we won. We won for the first time in over 30 years for almost 30 years for Donald Trump and got a crazy call after that where the president said, hey, how about you come run the national party? So that's a long story short, but I I love working with the president and being the RNC chair and I think being a grassroots chair helps because I've actually knocked the doors and done all these things and been on the district committees and been a state committee woman and so appreciative of all your grassroots activists and your hard work, Steve, in New Mexico.
1: Well, thank you for that. But uh, now I'm telling our listeners right now that you heard Ronald kind of gloss over the fact that she just sort of went from the state chairman to the chairman of the national party. That had to be just a little bit dramatic. Tell us a little bit about the inside baseball on that.
2: Yeah, I ran for state party chair, and Steve, you'll really relate to this. I was from a state that most people had flown over. They didn't think Michigan was competitive, and I was determined to put us in a place where we could win. Not with a lot of federal resources. Most people didn't believe it was a winnable state, but we did have a candidate who believed that, Donald Trump, and he often tells a story about how I pestered him to keep coming to Michigan, and he did, and we won, and then I received a call. I had a, actually a meeting with the president where he asked me to run the party and You know, to be honest, my first response was probably not because I had young kids and my husband and I are from Michigan and my husband turned to me and he said, we got to do this. This is a two year commitment to our country, to this president. We've got to do it. And four years later, we raised the most money in history the largest field program in history. And we are competing in the state of New Mexico. And I'm really, really excited that you're at the helm there. And we've got a great partnership.
1: Yes. And I would remind our listeners, not only have you raised the most money ever, you're now over a billion dollars for the combined Trump campaign and the Republican National Committee. And that's a stunning figure. Talk a little bit about the relationship with the first family, if you would.
2: Yeah, so I've been here almost four years now and one of the great privileges is the ability that I've had to meet the Trump family, get to know all of them. You know, I gave a speech the other night that the president chose me because I was the best person for the job, not because I'm a woman, but it goes beyond that. I'm in meetings with him often where a lot of voices will be clamoring and the president always will turn and, and seek my advice and this is a president who values women. I'm only the second woman in history to run the RNC and just a little inside information I get to see him in a different way I've called him before where I've had a staff member or a friend that had a difficult time and asked him to call and He's always so eager to pick up the phone and call somebody who's in need or who's suffering. He writes down the phone number himself and and does it right then. He's just an incredibly kind-hearted man. And I see that over and over again as I meet people who he's known for years and years, and then also as I see him interact with people day to day in this role as president. It's really been a joy for me to get to know him.
1: Let's shift over to the convention as it's going on. And I will tell you, the first night was stunning. I didn't think you could top it on the second night but the second night it was overwhelming.
2: One of the things that I've been very passionate about as a chair is, you know, oftentimes in our party we talk about stats, GDP and unemployment rates and and we use numbers to give our story and I think it's important that we tell stories through real people, individuals and that's how we connect with the American people. So Early on, as we were meeting and mapping out this convention, we knew that we wanted this to be the convention of the American people and their story. And the production team that we've hired and a Trump has been hugely involved in this. Tony Sayag is another individual. It's been a whole team effort to identify the folks we wanted to have speak, talk to them, help them write their speech. And then I gave a live speech the first night where many of these speakers are speaking from. And just the setup and the way it's been done really does make it something that's easier than you'd think. It's scary because I was live. Most of these have been taped. But I think having these individuals and, and coaching them and letting them prepare so they could tell their story and be effective and authentic, I really credit the team that's been running this. I wish I could say I had all this talent myself, but I don't. We just hired the right people to execute.
1: Tell me a little bit about the candidates that we're seeing nationwide. Kimberly Clasick just came out of nowhere. Did the RNC find her? Did she come and volunteer? Tell me a little bit about the backstory on that.
2: Well, the Kim Klasick story actually is of her own doing and and I say this to candidates all the time when they come to me and say, why isn't the RNC helping? And I'm like, well, you got to meet us halfway. There's a part of it that you've got to make happen for yourself, you know, the party will help too, but you've got to be invested. And she did this ad that was so phenomenal talking about Baltimore, talking about failed Democrat leadership and, and what it's meant for her city. And she's just sick and tired of it. And, you know, I lived in Baltimore, so it really resonated with me. And then this whole Twitter campaign, I think I had a tweet mob against me for about two days. Ronna put her in the convention, but they didn't realize we were already talking to her I talked to the president. He said, we got to get her in. And we called her and we got that done very, very quickly. But her message resonates. And I think we're seeing this across the country. Uh, You know, we just saw this in Kenosha, where we had this terrible tragedy, this incident that certainly needs to be investigated. Then the aftermath of that night, all these businesses were looted and burned to the ground because the mayor, the local official said, we're going to pull the police back. And these are Democrat Mayors and, and governors who are saying we're not going to protect our community and the livelihood of our folks, and we're going to allow chaos to run rampant through our streets. And it's a huge problem. And I think Kim Klasik. Put the nail on the head. Why are these Democrat-run cities allowing crime and all all these terrible things to happen? And you know what? Maybe it's a time for a change in leadership, and maybe it's time to think outside the box and vote Republican. And I think you've seen in our convention, we really are reaching out to Hispanic voters, to black voters, to... Native American voters, we want everybody to feel welcome and at home in the Republican Party. And that's what our convention's about. We are a party for everyone and our policies lift everyone.
0: That was Steve Pierce talking with Ronna McDaniel, the chair of the Republican National Committee. We'll have more from that interview in next week's edition of Inside New Mexico. Steve Pierce and I will return in just a moment. Attention,
1: New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387.
0: Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am talking with the chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce. Steve, there's a story about a pastor that says abortion fits the world view. Please tell us about that.
1: Uh, you can find the article on the ChristianHeadlines.com, an article about Tim Bryant, but Raphael Warnock a senior pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. He's also a Democrat candidate running for U.S. Senate against Kelly Loeffler, and that's going to be on November the 3rd. But Bryant was asking Warnock how the pro-choice views of the Democrat Party square with his role as a minister, and he comes back and basically gives the quote that uh, abortion is consistent with Christianity, and I will fight to keep it. That's a stunning quote. Tony Dungy, again, from NFL fame, he was a coach of one of the world champion NFL teams, and he comes back and really takes that on and says, when you say minister, does that mean that they represent a church? I'd like to know what book the candidate uses as their foundation for truth and their grounding principles. It couldn't be the Bible And so, again, this pastor is pointing out kind of the radical nature that the Democrat Party has become so that even Democrat pastors have to toe the line on all of their issues. You think it's unimaginable that the Democrats will not condemn the violence that's going on across the country. All of us agree that we should be fighting to hold people accountable in the police department when shootings occur, like Kenosha or George Floyd or any of the others. But the idea that you won't condemn the violence, the destruction, the looting, those things, people are just becoming alarmed at who the Democrats are. And this idea that the Bible supports abortion is equally as flawed as many of the other positions that you're finding.
0: It's hypocritical because they're so worried about the children being mistreated at the border, which, of course, we don't want children mistreated anywhere. But they're worried about that, but not about unborn children. So it doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, and and now that you're talking about children, there's a child in New Mexico that is making the rounds on YouTube. Uh, He cut a video for class, and he's talking about what it means to not be in school. And I want our listeners to hear that, just in case they didn't see the report on the TV in Albuquerque. But uh, if you would play that clip for us, Derek, and then we'll talk about it coming out. I don't know.
2: It's hard to not see my friends, and you might not even see each other at all, so a part of every kid in the world. I mean, if you don't have school, you don't have anything else. And you don't have anything else. You basically don't have your life. It's like eating chocolate without the chocolate or having marshmallows without a campfire or having a body without arms. It's just really hard to really get used to Not being at school, but
0: I hope we get to go back and the main thing I miss about school is my friends.
1: As you heard there students are saying that school is a part of life. And that idea that APS has canceled school for the rest of the semester is just unthinkable. Again, they're putting people in Albuquerque into daycare. It's okay for kids to gather together in daycare, but not gather together for schools. I think the unions are beginning to run the entire school system. I think they're telling the schools they're not going to go back to teach, that they're going to do it from home forever, or at least for the rest of this year. And so at some point, people are to become frustrated enough they start walking away that's the reason school choice has become such a big issue in the nation but also here in new mexico parents are saying okay if the public schools are not going to work i'm going to put my kids somewhere that they can get an education and you know the santa fe new mexican even uh, carried an article just this week about legislators democrat and republican beginning to push back against the idea that distance learning is going to be okay A lot of the rural legislators saying, wait, we don't have high speed internet, our families don't have good computer equipment, it's not up to date. And so you're going to disadvantage the poor. You're going to disadvantage the rural kids. And so it's interesting that finally Democrat elected officials are beginning to speak up against the policies of this governor. And the state continues to die underneath her leadership. Ortega's, a restaurant that's been in Albuquerque for 30 years, just a quiet little couple, Mr. and Mrs. Ortega. They're going to shut their operation down September 12th say they just can't make it. And so this governor continues to hurt small businesses, and there's kind of an arrogance about her as she's doing it.
0: In her last press conference, the governor announced that restaurants were allowed to open indoor dining at 25 percent and houses of worship were allowed to open at 40 percent. So I don't quite understand the science to that. Do you?
1: Well, no. I mean, science would say that uh, that if you gather together in any spot, then you have the same vulnerability the idea that we're gonna open up at 25% for restaurants, that's not enough. You can't make money, you can't pay your help, you can't pay the utilities on 25% occupancy. I had an opportunity to visit in person with Kristi Noam, the governor of South Dakota. I refer to her often because she's making decisions the same way I would have. She simply warned the people in South Dakota what the risks were to the COVID-19, who was most vulnerable, who was least vulnerable. Then she didn't shut anything down, and she verified that when I was talking to her. You contrast that with what has happened and all the destruction to the family-owned businesses here in New Mexico. Those are Democrat business owners, not just Republican business owners. And so watching what's going on here and comparing it to South Dakota, the two states are very similar. You just say that we're doing damage to entire generations of people here, you know, One of the saddest things that we've seen, Derek, is the attacks on the police by the left, and the Democrats refuse to speak up about that. In Portland, they are now close to 90 days in a row that they have tried to burn down federal buildings, assaulting police. This last week, they had 250 people come out, bring a guillotine, wheel it out in front of a police bureau, and the implications are obvious. They're trying to draw the similarities between this and the French Revolution, You remember the French Revolution had intended to go the same direction that the American Revolution had, but instead it went to the mass mobs and began to cut people's heads off, began to have retaliation. The French didn't end up with a better government. Our process, where we were one nation under God, where we had two parties, we had a party in the majority, but the party in the minority was treated fairly. They always had voice. And so the contrast between the French Revolution and the American Revolution is very stark indeed, but to have these guillotines rolled out in front of our police headquarters is just something that that you can't put into words. As we wrap up, a very good piece by Michael Snyder in the Sons of Liberty Media. He's talking about California never being the same after the wildfires, after the COVID-19, the destruction to the businesses across California the loss of liberties in California, then the rampage that's going on in the streets, the homelessness that is in all the big cities that had already begun to destroy the infrastructure. And his comment is that millions of people are leaving California, that California will never be the same. You know, that's what we uh, see in socialist countries around the world. People leave because it is not possible to make a living in a socialist country. So what you have here is a state that has implemented socialist policies for decades, and now then people are fleeing because the state's burning down over policies that have kept them from cutting the trees and thinning the forest to where it doesn't burn, the policies that have allowed the streets to be overrun by human waste, the crime that is rampant, the burning and looting by the mobsters and the Marxists are running through the streets. That's what Marxism, that's what socialism looks like, And so, again, very clear distinctions between what Republicans stand for and what Democrats stand for. Uh, Derek, an exciting program today. Thank you very much for all you do, and thanks to Hingham for her work on the program. Let's keep this going all the way through election and beyond.
0: I look forward to it, Steve. If you're listening to us and would like to get more involved in the Republican Party of New Mexico, there's a website, www.gopnm.org. The party has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. They're also looking for volunteers to help them with their mission to win New Mexico for President Trump and to turn the roundhouse red. Call the party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. We look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.